Hi there, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Anthony Taylor, and welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. On this podcast, we share best practices for managers and leaders around the world of strategy across the globe and really get their best practices on what's going on in their organizations and what they see as best practice in leading people and managing their teams. Today, I'm joined by Jung Pyung, who is the senior manager of strategy at a large hotel chain, and he shares some of his best practices for creating a mission, developing strategy with teams, and being agile as things move forward. It was a super fun conversation. We get into the nitty gritty of the hotel industry, as well as individual tips that you can pick out and use in your organization as you develop your strategy. So I'm really excited to share that podcast with you today. Um, If you are getting together with your team and creating a strategic plan and you're the one who's facilitating it, I really encourage you to check out our uh, strategic planning course, how to create a strategic plan. And we designed that for managers and leaders like you who are the ones responsible for facilitating and creating that strategic plan. So it's all of the individual steps uh, walking you through the strategic planning process. And we designed it because we can't be everywhere at once. So we want to empower you and teach you how you can lead it effectively so you can get the results you want. And part of that is doing podcasts like this and just teaching you best practices. So really elevating you, the listener and the manager, um, to be able to work with your team effectively. So if you're interested in taking the course, it's available at www.smestrategy.net slash course. And that's the course on how to create a strategic plan. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Jung Pyung. Welcome back to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Anthony Taylor, and today I'm joined by Jung Pyun, who is the Senior Manager of Group Strategy for International Hotel Chain here in Vancouver. Jung, how are you today? Very good. Thank you, Anthony. Uh, Thank you for having me here today. It's such an honor. Oh, thank you. I'm really excited to have a conversation. And it, it was cool in the in the pre-show, we got to learn that we actually have a very close connection. So it just shows how connected the world of business is. So it's neat that we got to uh, have that relatedness. So uh, thank you for joining us. My first question, I guess, can you explain to our listeners today what it means to be a senior manager of group strategy for hotel chain? Like, what is the world of that? The group strategy person in a hotel environment is really part of the revenue management team. And what the revenue management team really does is to ensure that we sell the rooms at the right price, at the right time, to the right clientele. So that's the generic response that you'll always get when you ask a revenue manager. But really what we're doing is we're breaking down the market demand into different segments. So, you know, whether you're transient or whether you're group, whether you're a leisure traveler, whether you're corporate, and, you know, based on which country you're traveling from. So, you know, you might be coming from a country where, you know, your currency has uh, significantly um, weakened versus last year. So you know, really, if I keep my rates exactly the same, then are you really paying the same amount? No, you're not. So you need somebody that's uh, always monitoring the demand and you know what's going on around the world to ensure that the hotels stay as profitable as possible. So that's what we do. And uh, specifically from my perspective, so hotel industry is largely divided into two. So you look at transient demand and you look at group demand. Transient demand are you know, individual travelers. So when you're, you know, you're planning for vacations or if you're going on a corporate travel, uh, you fall into that transient segment. But group business is, well, just like the way it sounds. So it's when you book 10 rooms or more, generally that's the uh, magic number, you get considered as group. And the difference between group and transient is that transient people tend to leave their planning for the last minute because 
realistically, you're not sure exactly when you're going to get your date off. So you might book you know, one or two months prior to arrival date, or in most cases, people actually book one to two weeks prior to arrival date. Group, on the other hand, groups generally book, you know, one, two years out in advance. You know, there's some groups that even book five years in advance. So how much group business you put in the hotel uh, really determines what your transit strategy is going to be at last minute. So what I look at specifically is that group portion of the business. Got it. So there's leaders from a variety of industries, nonprofit, for-profit, government, listening to this podcast. But as I hear what you're talking about, I see the biggest alignment, obviously, you know, one being a team leader and fulfilling the overall corporate strategy and being an important, a crucial part of that because you're the money guy. But the other one is really getting clear on your mission and your purpose and really understanding who your core customer is and your target and really being aware of their demands and their I mean, I guess customer personas so that you can effectively work within their needs to develop your strategy. Is that in line with what you do? Uh, That's exactly it. So, I mean, for example, when you're planning for anything in hospitality industry, let's say you're planning for staffing, for example, if revenue managers, you know, tell you that, you know what, 2018 summer is going to be an incredible season for Vancouver market because there's a lot of citywide events going on. There's a lot of big name concerts happening in the city. And we know that there's going to be a very, very high demand. So we need to communicate this to the rest of the team so that they can start planning when to hire people, uh, when to train them so that they're ready for the peak season. Because, you know, once you have two, 300 people checking in and checking out every day, there's not really enough time for a front desk team to start training somebody new, you know, fresh out of college and so on. So you always need to be ahead of the game. And that's what revenue management helps the team do. How does your team, how does a revenue management team and how does the strategy team incorporate that type of planning? And let's put a, like a little caveat on there is that, you know, many of our clients, you know, they look at doing annual planning. They might do it quarterly. I know some companies do stand up scrums every day when it talks about the operations plan. And, you know, some might really have a deepened culture of strategy development. But, you know, how does your team and your organization approach uh, creating that strategy and being aware of both internal and external factors when it looks at everything that it does for the upcoming year or years. So this is actually really interesting because in hospitality industry specifically, you never know what's going to happen. You know, something drastic might happen the next day. I mean, I'm going to take a terrible example. You know, don't hate me on this. But let's say you're managing a group of hotels in in Europe. You know, let's say there was a terror attack. All of a sudden, you're going to see all of your reservations start canceling. You're going to see a decline in air traffic into your city, and you're going to have to completely change everything that you've been doing for the past couple of months. You know, let's say many years ago when there was a volcano that erupted in Iceland, that changed the entire game in Europe for a very long time just because people weren't able to go into Europe. And smaller factors, I mean, you look at the economy, uh, you look at what's going on in U.S. politics right now, you look at various factors, and you always have to be ready for a lot of change. I know that in other industries, those changes might not be that common. It might not happen on a daily basis. But in hotel industry, it actually happens a lot more frequently than you you might imagine. So it's very important that we actually review this every single day. And to answer your question, we actually look, you know, once a week we have meetings with all the stakeholders. So, you know, the general manager, the director of sales and marketing, the operations directors, and in some hotels, even the owner of the property gets involved just so that they're completely aware of what's going on and what our plans are for the next months, next 60 days, and next 90 days. Those are the most common period of time that people review. I know some hotels even review one year out. It just really depends on the market. 
the dynamic speed of change, especially with looking at technology companies and everything changes on a daily basis. But for you guys specifically, you know, reviewing your stuff daily, weekly, and then 30, 60, 90 days, and then maybe as an outlier is the one year. You know, the concept of time is really interesting. I remember when I studied in my university in Switzerland, you know, our professor asked us, what are you guys actually selling? And, you know, 99% of the students would raise their hand and say, oh, we're selling rooms. And then, you know, you would have that one-off uh, student who would say, no, we're selling an experience. But we were all wrong. And uh, what the professor actually told us is, no, you're actually selling time. Because once the night is over, you can't sell that inventory again. So I think the way that revenue managers look at time is very unique and different as well. Well, can you unpack that a little bit just so I got how you guys sell time, but how would that change a revenue manager or a strategist's approach to to just, you know, what they do? <laughs> and earlier, I was mentioning the booking window regarding transit and group, and I guess that was a little bit too specific to the industry. But let's say you're you're selling shoes and you have an inventory of shoes, you have 100 shoes to sell. You know, if you don't sell today, you can you might sell it tomorrow. And if you don't sell it tomorrow and now you have a really difficult time selling it, you know, you could just wait until, I know, Black Friday or Boxing Day or whatnot and just apply a massive discount and sell all of your inventory and you're, and you're good to go. But in the hotel industry, if you don't sell the rooms tonight, that's it. That's gone. That's revenue opportunity that you missed. So it's really important to understand when the guests are booking for a particular day and which segments those you know, businesses are coming from. And, and it's also really interesting because it usually repeats year after year and it gets really specific. So you can look at August 10th. August 10th in Vancouver is typically one of the highest demand dates. And it magically somehow, every year, one week prior to arrival, you have a massive demand from leisure guests. Six months out, you have massive demand from cruise guests. And if you don't understand this, if you don't understand when the guests are booking for that particular date, then you're going to miss that booking window. And now you missed your revenue opportunity. I hope that explained a little better. What I wrote down on my on my notes here was really matching the customer needs and getting clear on what that is and finding the right product market fit as far as like a sort of corporate offering um, and then really getting clear on that. So I think we could probably go down a rabbit hole, but maybe let's look up a little bit. You know, when we comes to creating and leading strategy with a team, because obviously, you know, the decisions that you make, you have a lot of stakeholders that you need to get bought in and they need to believe what you're talking about. So, I mean, what would you say are your, your two to three best practices for leading strategy within uh, your team and within the enterprise? I think the most important thing is uh, having structured communication. So previously, when I worked for a smaller hotel brand, I used to communicate with the general manager and the stakeholders literally on a daily basis. Every single morning, you know, I wake up. Sometimes I would even start the communication before even going to work. You know, the general manager and I would be on our phones texting each other. And I would send him a report and then we would spend like an hour texting each other at like 5 a.m. And then I would go to work. And uh, it would be great because, you know, we would be at work understanding exactly what's going on in the property. But, you know, when you work for a larger brand, let's say you're part of Marriott or Hilton and so on, um, you really need to have a proper structured communication with all the stakeholders. So, you know, that means sitting down together with the general manager, the director of self-marketing, director of operations, you know, in some cases, even the front office managers and so on, and just ensuring that everybody is aware of exactly what the plan is for the near future. Something else that's really important is you can't just have these people sit around and just sit there and listen to you speak. Like, that's not the purpose of you know, having a meeting or even having a team. So you really need to encourage participation. But how do you encourage participation if not everybody is comfortable with revenue? So then that actually leads to the next topic, which is education. 
So I think once you join a revenue team, it's very important that you understand what the level of knowledge of revenue strategy is by you know, each key players and just educating them as much as, as you need and having effective meetings you know, after that. You know, you, you'll be really surprised to see how much uh, great information and feedback that you receive from you know, people who are in operations, for example. You know, you're there thinking, hey, you know what? You know, I increased the rate and same things to be working well. Um, the data seems to suggest that right now we're headed towards a very good place. But then, you know, somebody at front desk might tell you, hey, you know, what? I was speaking with a guest and uh, he told me that he has a reservation with us for next week. But he just found out that the Hilton next door is selling at a much lower rate. And he's thinking of moving him and all of his friends to that property because of that. Right. So that person might have an information that you don't. So it's very important that, you know, you sit with the team and you, you know, ensure that everybody participates and shares every information that they have. So, I mean, really, I think it's all structured around having the structured communications so that everybody's there, getting them to participate, having the effective meetings as a structure. And then I heard it's like a benefit to having that, that, you know, it, when you have the structure and spend a little bit more time on putting the structure in place, then it allows the rest of things to flow. Because, you know, in your personal example, you were able to show up to work and like really get the work done when it was like, prime time or you know when you really needed to instead of having to spend much of that time like trying to get everybody up to speed you know for you and most of the listeners this might really be common sense but in hotel industry really you know most of the associates are you know part of operation so they're at the front desk they're busy you know dealing with guest complaints or providing a warm welcome to the guests and so on so not everybody really has the time to sit in their office and analyze things so in many of the hotels that I worked at in the past lives, you know, I would go to these revenue meetings. I would present like all these data and figures and graphs and charts on the PowerPoint presentations and so on. And I would realize by the end of the meeting that it's pretty much I've been talking to the wall for like half the time because not everybody really understands what they're looking at. You know, that's my bad. And that's you know, a large mistake that I learned from. Again, so educating the staff in hotel industry is actually very important. I think it's actually not done enough. And that's why often that you have one or two people in revenue management making all the decisions. And I think that's a terrible thing to do. I mean, it's to your credit. I think it's across all organizations, you know, whether you're in manufacturing and nonprofit, that for us as human beings, we have our blinders on to what we think everybody knows. Like for me, I talk strategy and say, oh, everybody understands these concepts just naturally because I understand them. But that's really not the case. I have another client who was going through a culture change and started looking at some culture assessment tools and you know rolling that out from like zero to 100 really takes time to get people to understand it and not just understand what it is but why it's important and why it's beneficial to include something like that and if you don't have that that really comes as, as part of the buy-in i think it's crucial so good on you for educating the people around you because i think it'll make your job easier in the long run and then we got the education, the effective meetings. You can always hire a facilitator for important meetings and then having structured communications. Anything else that I might have missed in there? <laughs> uh, no, I, th I think that's it. I see all of those as access to creating something really unique from a people perspective. So my next question is really around culture. And what are some of the things that your organization has put in place to support the structure of communication, education, and, and really creating like a dynamic place to work? Can you speak to that a little bit? The answer to that question is really technology. The company really has been investing quite a bit into a proper revenue management system that communicates with the property management system that the front office team use, 
and it also communicates with the tool that sales managers use. So it's it's really this one large system. And you know, believe it or not, in this industry, I think there's no other company that has something like this. And so how should I put it? Because the systems are very easy to use from the perspective of the person in that respective department, it just becomes much easier to digest the information that they're receiving. So let's say as a revenue manager, you know, I'm communicating to the front office team regarding scheduling, you know, staffing, the occupancy of the hotel for the next uh, 60 days. Because the front office manager also has access to this information from their system directly, and they're very used to looking at those numbers like occupancy percentage, you know, average daily rate, you know, revenue per available room and so on, it just becomes much more easier to communicate this. You know, when I'm talking with sales managers, I'm talking about missed opportunities, you know, lost and turned down business, you know, prospect versus definite and so on. Again, in my company, you know, people who have been part of my company for many years, for them, it's like, oh, Doug, that's common sense. But no, if you work for independent hotels, you know, smaller properties, this is not common sense at all. And I do strongly believe that technology is what allows everyone to learn so quickly and just be part of the greater team to become a revenue manager. I hope that answers the question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, so I, I hear the core tenant is at this point less about, you know, the individual people things, but really as what would be the one thing that we could put in place that would enable culture change and supporting the culture that you want. And I get the sense that it's a culture of communication, of transparency, of quick decision making, about being nimble. And that technology piece really makes it easy for people to get the information that they need so they can make data-driven decisions and ultimately makes their job easier because they're not having to dig through data, spend a much time of doing that, and going on gut instinct versus actual fact. So it sounds like it's a different perspective on culture that you don't always hear that technology can actually enable the things that you want to achieve, not only just in the culture piece, but then also on the strategy and execution piece. I find it fascinating that you can actually describe my work better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's easy. I'm on the outside, right? You're, you're, in, you're right in there. But uh, I'm glad that – well, I, I mean, I didn't mention this in the pre-interview, but, I mean, it shouldn't make a big difference. But I was a bellman for a year, and I worked in hospitality for 10 years. So, But you make it easy for me to dissect. So thank you for that, John. <laughs> no, thank you. Awesome. Okay, so a couple more questions. Are there any risks – that you see that there are to avoid, and you alluded to some of these before, but any risks to avoid in the planning process or, or when you're creating your strategy? So I actually see this, I, I wouldn't call it a mistake. I'm not sure if I can call it that, but in our industry, I think there's a tremendous reliance on historical data. I know I'm conflicting myself because earlier I told you that you know, historical data is very important, but I think we look a little bit too much into the past. So I personally think one year into the past is enough. And the reason that I say that for Vancouver market in particular is because this market has been growing at a tremendous rate. You know, I'm talking about, you know, when I was in Richmond, our revenue was growing 30% year over year. And, you know, I think any investor would be, you know, completely shocked by hearing that, you know, but in the past, this market was growing like, let's say maybe like one, two or 3%. So when I came to Vancouver five years ago, and that's when large conferences were happening, happening in August and Many of the hotels were putting rates like $400 per night, $500 per night, and thinking that that's high enough. But I was new in the market at the time, and I was looking at the demand, and I thought, wow, there's actually more demand in the city than the number of rooms available in the city. And I thought, why am I going to charge my guests $500 when I can charge 800 
and still sell out. And I started doing that. And uh, at that year, and that's when I was working at the Wedgwood, and we actually achieved the highest average daily rate in the city, um, highest uh, revenue per available room. I remember we even sold our last remaining rooms for $2,000 per night. And those weren't even standard rooms. And I actually think that the reason that many of the hotels missed that opportunity is because they were looking at data from five years ago, you know, when $300 was high enough. So again, I think it's more important to look at the present and then the future and just focus on that. And the reason that I emphasize this is because I still see in the city where people continue to talk about how we have now reached a peak and it's going to go downhill from here. But I completely disagree. I mean, the reason that Vancouver market is so strong is not only because Vancouver is such a wonderful city and there's more facilities, more and better facilities than ever before, better hotels as well, but also because of the U.S. currency versus the Canadian currency, um, the relationship. And there's so much more room to grow in the city. You know, for this to become an A-list city, you know, when you look at cities like Washington, D.C. or New York and the hotels are charging guests 600 USD per night and they can still sell out versus in Vancouver, we're charging five, 600 Canadian dollars. So I still think there's a lot of room to grow, at least until 2022. If there's any hoteliers listening to this, I would encourage you to stop looking at any data that's two to three years out and just focus on last year, present and future. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Something else that uh, I do want to mention, and uh, it really has to do with aligning strategy and performance. You know, right now in this industry, the revenue managers and, you know, really any hotel leaders are, you know, their performance is measured upon the budget. And I wonder how relevant budget is in this world where everything is changing so rapidly. You know, I even know revenue managers for the sake of ensuring that they meet the budget and don't exceed it too much uh, because they don't want to hear from corporate office like, hey, you know, why did your budget is so low and you could achieve so high, right? I know some people in this industry and not in my company and other companies, they will purposely stop taking reservations just to make sure that they stay close to the budget as possible. And I find that completely ridiculous. And, you know, for example, let's say you set the budget at one time of the year and you said, you know what, I'm going to say there's going to be a 10% increase in transit and 5% increase in group business. What if throughout the year, some massive political event happened or, you know, something happened in the city and there's an incredible increase in demand in transit you know, do you still stick to your budget or do you completely change your strategy? Any uh, rational person would say the latter is the right answer. But unfortunately, there's a lot of hotel companies out there that will actually scrutinize you for doing that. They'll say, hey, you told me this three months ago. Why are you doing something else? And I think that culture needs to completely uh, go away. And I think that in the future, budgets will become very irrelevant. And I think we'll need to focus more on forecast instead. We'll see what happens if I have an accountant on the show and see what they say. But um, <laughs> but you know what, to that point, and I, and I think it, it speaks to the, going back to the culture, is like, you know, what is the culture that you have in place such that people are empowered to make those decisions? And, you know, a small business owner that's lean and nimble, you know, walks in and say, well, you know, if you can sell the extra room, sell the extra room, because that's, you know, top line revenue for us or bottom line revenue at the end of the day, the difference between the culture of the decisions being made, oh, we need to make decisions that align with the strategy that we created, you know, a year ago, or underlying that, well, fundamentally, these are the things that we're trying to do. We're trying to maximize profit. We're trying to maximize occupancy or we're trying to maximize revenue. They all have different approaches. And as long as the decisions that you take are aligned with the objectives, then it makes sense. And I think that where you have those gaps 
is when there's no communication that employees, especially frontline, will do what will get them in the least amount of trouble because they don't want to get in trouble by doing something wrong. And I assert that it's because of a lack of communication and lack of clarity from management as far as what the expectations are on right on staff right. and employees. So, And then I'm sure all the rest of the people listening can say, okay, well, let's look at our data historical. But that's like you said, that's all it is. It's historical. It's done. You know, the things that have changed in the past couple months outside of Vancouver, just in the global economic scale, we're in for a lot more disruption that I don't think anybody is can even imagine. Is there anything else that you could think of as far as we're talking to a CEO or a manager that's leading strategy that you would want to leave them with as like one piece of like golden advice that you'd want to share? Yes. So in the hotel industry, things still operate the way that it did 20 years ago. So when you go to a budget meeting or strategy meeting, far too often you have the general manager and the director of sales and marketing and the finance director. But revenue directors are often not involved in this conversation. Uh, Fortunately, the company that I work for, you know, this company actually integrated revenue management into the industry. So, you know, we're the leaders in this field and uh, revenue management is always involved in any strategy discussion. But you know, I do know that in smaller hotel companies out there, this is not the case. So I would like to strongly advise kind of looking at that and you know, listening to the revenue leaders when you're planning for the future. I mean, that's uh, something very important. Second thing is create that revenue culture, but uh, ensure that you're always encouraging the right talent to go into the field. So, for example, I look at some bellmen, for example, and uh, I see they have tremendous potential to become a revenue manager. But far too often... Bellmen just don't have that kind of opportunity. So I think that identifying the right talent and uh, developing them is very important just because there's a tremendous shortage of revenue leaders in this industry. So having a connected and integrated organization as well as looking at or developing a, a revenue culture within it and that you spoke specifically to the hotel industry, but then also you know developing your talent and looking at you know, where the gaps are now and where the gaps are in the future and, and how do you keep your organization sustainable and growing like you want it to throughout all of that. Right. Awesome, John. Well, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. How can people get a hold of you? Yeah, LinkedIn. Uh, I think that's the most efficient way. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jung. So today I've been joined by Jung Pyeon, who is the senior manager for group strategy for a large hotel, international hotel chain uh, right here in Vancouver. Thank you so much, Jung. I really uh, appreciate the conversation today. Well, thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to rate us five stars on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. And if there's somebody in your network that you think might enjoy today's podcast, be sure to share it with them as well. If you're in the process of creating your strategic plan and looking for some guidance, some more information, and some training on how to create an effective strategic plan with your team, be sure to check out our course available at smestrategy.net slash course. And it's a walkthrough of each individual step in the strategic planning process, as well as downloads and best practices to help you meet your goals and move your team towards the same place. Once again, my name is Anthony Taylor. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, and I look forward to sharing with you next time.